Absolutely fantastic to be here. Such a beautiful sunny day, wonderful worship. Um, really enjoyed. I'm trying to work out when I was last at this church. I thought it was a year ago, but when I looked through and saw John's invitation, it was actually April 2015. So it's been a couple of years. Um, and they've invited me back, so I must have been okay. <laughs> and see familiar faces and friends that we've been friends with for many years. And it's so good. I brought quite a lot of friends and family along with me today. So I've got my, my prayer partner of over 20 odd years, Wendy, at the front, who's a bit like family really, because we've known each other for so long. And she's been actually coming into Lynn every week with Jackie, who are on our Rock Intercessors team, praying for Lynn ever since we had the Rock conversation in October. So it's great to have Wendy with me. And then I've got my eldest child, Sarah. Give us away, Sarah. My daughter there. I know I don't look old enough to have a daughter with children, but I am. Um, and then her husband, for some reason, is sitting behind. <laughs> but they are speaking, and that's jabs. And then I've got my other daughter, Becky, who's just nipped out with, with Noah. She lives in Lim. Um, Sarah and, and jabs were here last week, last Sunday as well, and you enjoyed it. And then I've got three of my five grandchildren here today, Noah, Josiah, and Mimi. <laughs> So we're a big posse here, um, enjoying uh, fellowship with you this morning. And um, just to say that as well, since we've gone into partnership with Lynn Baptist, and thank you so much for your partnership, because without the partnership with the church here, we couldn't any of us be doing all the things that are happening and joining forces together to see a greater impact for the kingdom of God, which is what it is really, and the miraculous things that are going on. Thank you as well to Mark Stamway. I forgot to mention Mark for all that he's been doing in leading that. Um, I, I just believe that God has got greater things yet to come for us. But since doing the Rock Conversation, I was privileged to have a meeting with the Chief Constable of Cheshire. There's a, a gentleman called Simon Byrne. He's based in Winsford Police Headquarters. I don't know whether anyone knows how difficult it is to get to see a chief constable. It's very, very difficult. And um, they had the opportunity to have a, an hour with him about four weeks ago. And massive doors are opening <coughs> for us in Cheshire. And then just finally to say that on the 11th of April, please pray for me because I've <coughs> got the opportunity to go and see the police and crime commissioner. It's even higher than the chief constable which the chief constables don't like very much, uh, David Keane. So I'm going to meet with him. And if that door opens, um, there's exciting things going to be happening across Cheshire, and I'm sure that's going to include Lim. So please um, thank God for all that he's doing. And we really... Oh, this my other daughter, Becky, that I mentioned. <laughs> Sorry to embarrass you, sweetheart. And, and Noah, who's being very good. He's not used to going out, so let's turn to God's word and read from Luke chapter 5 together, um, and I think it will come up on the screen. I'm going to be talking today about miraculous partnerships, about how we can 
uh, partner together for kingdom things, as I've just mentioned, and how the, the, the sum of us working together with other people can achieve far more than it can achieve on our own. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. So we'll, I'll see, do I point it this way or this way, Jonathan? It's upside down, so if I turn it round, it doesn't matter. There it is. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to God's word. He saw at the water's edge two boats there left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. Then they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell, at his, he fell down at Jesus' knees, knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch fish. You will not catch fish, but you will catch people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. I love this passage. Um, because it's talking really about how we, as the disciples of Jesus, become fishers of men. He's using a natural miracle, the miraculous catch of fish, to show uh, a spiritual principle that we're really here as people of God to reach out to our friends and neighbours for Jesus, aren't we? We're here for a purpose. Our lives have purpose and meaning. And the people that we live next door to, it's not an accident. The people who you go to work with, the people who are your friends, the people who um, your neighbours, your your circle of influence that God has put you amongst, those are the people that we are reaching and we're seeking to reach for Jesus. And God has enabled us to be Um, people who can um, be like magnets for the kingdom, who be like lights that attract other people who may be experiencing darkness and loneliness and give them, point them to the hope of uh, what Jesus has to offer. And um, the big temptation is just to stay on the shore. You know, it talks about two boats in this story, um, but the boats have to be out there on the sea don't they? The boats have to be mobilised. Um, often we have seasons of our life where we just feel like this. We feel like we're sort of moored up. We may have had disappointment. We may have had um, challenging circumstances. Uh, we may be feeling a bit discouraged like the disciples were. They've been up all night and caught no fish. 
and you just don't feel like going back out again. Has anybody else had days like that, or is it just me? You, you, you know, you've, you've really sought the Lord, you've really gone out there, you've prayed your socks off, you've, you've been out, you've been, uh, you've been willing, you've been faithful, and you just feel like the fruit hasn't come. Um, well, I want to just encourage you again today that God is at work, and he can recommission us, and he can and, and really inspire us. Um, a couple of years ago in our church, we were looking at, we did a series um, called Just Walk Across the Room, and it was, it's, it's by a book, it's a, a title of a book by a guy called Bill Hybels. Does, does everyone know who I'm talking about? Bill Hybels is a leader of a very large church in, in America called Willow Creek. And I remember back in the days when Frank and I were at Altrincham Baptist Church as the youth pastors, um, we, we were looking at the Willow Creek model and uh, introduced something called seeker-sensitive services where you could feel confidence to invite your, young, your unchurched people along <coughs> to the service because um, people weren't going to kind of jump out and hit them over the head with the Bible or anything like that. They were going to be made to feel a little, um, a, a little bit more welcome in church. So we did the seeker-sensitive services for a while, and that was all inspired by this church, Willow Creek and Bill Hybels. And Bill Hybels um, wrote this book, Just Walk Across the Room. And the inspiration for the book came when one day Bill Hybels was an, attending um, like a civic event and um, had a number of church leaders there and a mixture of people. And this guy came across to talk to him about an experience he'd had. And the experience that he'd had, after explaining it to Bill, Bill decided to write a book about it uh, because he was inspired by the story. And the story goes something like this. The man speaking to Bill, what had happened was he'd been at an after, um, a drinks party, after work drinks party, um, the previous uh, sort of few months before this conversation with Bill. And he'd, he'd, um, he'd been with his friends, his work colleagues, and they were really enjoying this drinks party because it was giving them a chance, uh, to have a few nibbles, a few drinks, but a, ch a chance to chat with his work colleagues who he got on really well with. So he's enjoying this party but over on the other side of the room is a guy who's clearly... You've almost made a decision to, to, to leave the circle of comfort and go into this zone of the unknown, and you're exploring what that looks like as a church. And different individual ones of you will have a different part to play in that uh, because of the unique um, lifestyle that you live. You know, no one else has got your neighbours no one else has got your colleagues. No one else has got your friends. Uh, uh, and then there's, there's the opportunity to just step outside of the four walls of the church, which is what you've been doing, and prayer walking, and, and, and running events, and doing the rock fair, and the, the different groups that you've set up to do that. It's so exciting that you've got this journey going on. It's not always comfortable, and we don't always know what's at the other end of it, but it's a journey that God has, has moved us, us, us on to. So I want to look a little bit at verse 4, where Jesus says to these discouraged disciples, put out your nets into deep water 
and let down your nets for a catch. And they say, in verse 5, if you say so, I will. That's the response when God speaks to us. It's not always the immediate response of our hearts, but that's the response. If you say so, I will. You see, God's word and the word of Jesus is able to turn around an unsuccessful mission and make it fruitful. God's word is the difference. It's the same fishing conditions the night before when they caught nothing. And Jesus is now immediately telling them to go out again. There's nothing changed about the fishing conditions. It's God's word giving you that sort of in, giving you that courage, if you like, that incentive to try something again. He has changed the conditions. And this is why we can't say things like, we've done this before, we've tried it and it didn't work. You know, that's a, that's a natural temptation. But with God, you can go out again. He's in the boat saying to them, get out there again, I'm with you in that situation. Something is going to change. Something is going to be different this time because of his word. And I was hearing a story um, from a, a preacher called Darry Northrop, who leads a church in America, in a, in a place called Timberline, uh, where Jeff Lucas was on staff for a while. And um, Darry was preaching at an Equip to Lead course that Frank, were at, Frank and I were at, and he was telling us about how God has completely transformed his middle-class Bible Belt church um, to being a, a massive outreach center for the whole of their community. And how it started was one home group in the church had a vision, just one small group had the vision to go out into the town centre on a Friday and give out soup and give out coffee. Just a simple idea. And um, uh, Darry Northrop was fully behind it, but the rest of the church didn't really know. So they started going out. And before long, they started to impact people and reach out to people on the Friday evening. And a couple of girls who um, were the night girls and um, were involved in prostitution, a couple of them became Christians and started to uh, decided to come to church that following Sunday. Well, you can imagine the church, and it was one of those churches where everyone sits in the same seat every Sunday, Sure you don't do that here. Um, these, these girls came in and they, they, weren't, they were obviously not the regular members just by their attire, by their demeanour, um, by, you know, the, the, they weren't the political correct sort of regular church-going members on a Sunday. And not only that, they came in and sat in seats that were reserved for this particular wealthy family who were kind of bankrolling the church. And everybody was <gasps> a bit shocked and a bit uncomfortable. And then they started bringing their friends and they started bringing their friends along. And this home group were really, really happy and really delighted. But there was a group of people in church who were quite offended. And what happens when people get offended in church? Um, we, we've seen it over the years of us being leaders of church many, many times. Offended people get together with other offended people, have a conversation about it, and go to see the pastor and tell him, um, you know, that they're, that they're not happy with the way things are going. And sometimes they're not as brave as that. Sometimes they go to the pastor and tell the pastor, 
did you know that a lot of people don't like what's going on in this church, but we're not going to tell you the names. Um, let's not go there. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not very approving of that, you can tell. So they go to see the pastor. They are honest about it, and they sit in his office, and he's really polite, polite and patient and, uh, as always, listening to what they have to say. And he said, we don't like this home group who've gone out into town and they're bringing all these other people in to church, and it's seriously disrupting church on a Sunday for us. And the pastor's kind of very patient and listening, and he must have had a word of wisdom from God, because he suddenly said this. He said, let me assure you that if this new strategy of outreach doesn't work, we'll go back to what wasn't working before. (laughs) And 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 I love that, because actually what this is teaching us here is... We're not, we're not always being successful as church. You know, if we were successful, how we would measure success in the church in the UK, I don't know how you would measure it. If we were being 100% successful at everything that we're doing in church, 100% fruitful, uh, anointed and, and, and gifted in every single way, we would be reaching out to everybody in the UK, wouldn't we? We would be successfully seeing hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ every week. There wouldn't be room in the building for everybody who was inquiring So actually, we need to think, sometimes we've got to do things a little bit differently. It's the same gospel, but it's a different strategy. So when God says, put out again into the deep, and and I loved what I was hearing from Richard saying, you've been seeking the Lord, you've been been looking at... um, what are you saying, Father? You know, how are you leading us? How are you directed? You're trying a few things. And that's the way God will lead you to go out and put out into the deep again. And then this is probably my favorite verse, which when I was reading this, um, Luke 5, a few years ago, it stood out to me. Um, because what happens here is that the boats, about a 20 or 30 foot boat would be the typical fishermen's boats in, in in this day. It's about a 20 or 30 foot boat, so quite a big boat. It's filled with so many fish it begins to sink. And they look out and they see their partners in the other boat and it says they signal to their partners in the other boat. And I think this is really powerful for us uh, in the UK and in church today. Who are our partners in the other boat? Who has God put you with? It could be, it could be other churches in Lim, but I, I suspect it's more than that. Who are the, who are the key partners who are going to enable this mission? Because all these fish, um, it was, it was successful, but they could have been wasted. They could have been lost without the other boat. The other boat comes along and the two boats together work side by side. And I think this is what miraculous partnership is. Miraculous partnership is when we see a relationship with, um, maybe it's the town council, maybe it's the local police, maybe it's um, some of the other churches, maybe it's um, in the town centre, some of the relationships that you've built up, some of the people you've got to know. Uh, maybe it's the high school. Maybe it's a combination of all of these. These are the other boat. God is pointing out to you 
the other boat. And we've seen this in rocks. So many miracles have happened. You, you probably know about the Fuse headquarters that we've got over in Partington. Uh, some of you have been down there. You're very welcome to come along. This was a miraculous provision that we had and we were given because of this other partners in the, in the other boat. Uh, because we had a relationship with the police and the council and the local authority, it came to the attention of the Home Office and they had this building going spare and the whole miracle happened around that partnership. So I want you to think about in your prayer time, who is God partnering you with? How, how are those partnerships coming together? And by the way, these partnerships would have already have been in place. These weren't strangers in the other boat. It takes time to build up partnerships and relationships, as you all know. And it takes time for you to invest in that. And then you begin to see, you might not immediately know what the connection is, but you begin to see the connections coming in to place. And it's just amazing what's happening in Lim at the moment. Uh, the stuff that Wendy and Mark have been telling me about the, the, the um, cafe, the sanctuary cafe, the library and all the discussions that are going on and, and all the relationships that have opened up in, in the town. So I want to encourage you about these partnerships in the other boat. And that's the, the building, by the way, that I was just mentioning about the fuse, which I know you will have passed in um, Partington, do come down and have a look at it. Um, we've written two books and we brought these with us today, City Changing Prayer book, which talks about prayer really is the, is the key ingredient for transformation. All of you are so encouraging to hear about how you, you, you're having to squeeze people into the prayer room here to get people praying because prayer, we've, see, we've seen more answers to prayer really, as we've been seeking God. And then the other book that we've written is Rock Your World, um, which is um, all about, actually, the feeding of the 5,000, as Richard referred to, and how you have to bring what you have to Jesus. So I want to just encourage you as a church about these miraculous partnerships, but also about leaving our circle of comfort. And maybe we could pray into that for a few minutes as, as I close. I just want to um, give you a, an example of how we can see people coming to Christ through this whole process. Going back to the story about the um, Timberline Church, something very similar happened to, happened, uh, to us um, about that when we were at Brooklyn's Church of the Nazarene Church, which is the church we we're at before Altrincham Baptist. Um, that's how we know Joanne Rowley, who's related to, to Mark from the Church of the Nazarene. That's the church they go to in Brooklands. And that church was, um, we were the first converts into that church in 20 years, Frank and I. They'd, they'd, they'd not had any other new Christians come through at all. And as we became Christians, we decided to do an outreach in the pub opposite the church, which is called the Pear Tree. I think it's closed down now. It was a bit of a, a bit of a den of iniquity. It was the drug dealing place of Brooklyn's. I don't think we quite realised it. We went in there doing things like singing Shine Jesus Shine, which I don't actually think was our best 
evangelistic strategy, but it was, it, it was all we knew how to do, really. It was all we knew what to do. But miraculously, a couple called Gary and Christine became Christians and started to attend um, the Brooklyn's Church of the Nazarene. And Brooklyn's Church of the Nazarene was a Wesleyan holiness church. Um, they didn't agree with things like going to the cinema. Um, they were all teetotal. I'm just trying to set the picture of what the church was like. And into the church come Gary and Christine. Um, Gary and Christine um, were from the world and the type of people that were in the pub every evening at the pear tree. And Gary had a naked woman tattooed on his right arm. And um, so they started attending the church, the Wesleyan Holiness Church. And he's got this naked woman tattooed. And he'd come in a T-shirt and you'd be in worship. And we'd just been to Spring Harvest and a few of us were experimented with raising our hands in worship because they hadn't really... Gone, they hadn't really gone down that charismatic route as a church. And then Gary would copy us and he'd have his hand raised in worship and everyone sitting behind him is just looking at this naked woman. Uh, it was, it was kind of a bit, um, awkward. Um, but thankfully, mercifully, people in the church were so lovely and gracious and godly. They probably felt very uncomfortable with it, but nobody said anything to him about it. Neither did they say to him about his smoking and how long is it going to take him to, to change, basically. Because as we all know, when people become Christians, they don't become squeaky clean overnight. You know, it takes the sanctification process takes a while, doesn't it? So he's coming along to church and things are happening, things um, people are accepting him and, and people are praying for, for them as a couple and everything else. Their marriage was on the rocks and... Because of God, their marriage came back together and it was fantastic. But after a few months, I was in church one Sunday and I noticed something had changed. I noticed something was different. And as we were worshipping, um, I looked over at, at Gary and he had his arm in, up in worship, um, his naked lady arm. And it, I noticed he'd had a tattoo uh, of a bikini uh, <laughs> for some. <laughs> the arm. Oh, like, <laughs> I think the sanctification process <laughs> started to work. It was just absolutely amazing because it was a whole, whole process that the church had to go through of when people come in and they're not quite as we are. And I just, I just feel that as, as a, as a nation, uh, we, we've got to, we've got to go through this uncomfortable phase and we're already in it, of how are we going to be when folks start to come along or when we actually go out and reach them? Because it's not about, not about praying them in, it's about us going out, mostly. But how are we going to allow God's Spirit to change us? The thing that I hate most about church and been a Christian for over 30 years is judgmentalism. And I hate it in myself, and I hate it when I see it, uh, especially in myself, you know, because I'm not pointing the finger at anyone else here. But we, we've got to allow God to search us and change us here, because if we don't genuinely love people, if we don't, if we don't really genuinely have a love for people, do you know, they can tell. 
And I'm speaking, I'm preaching to myself, but, you know, the partners in the other boat, the people that we're trying to reach out to, it can't be a forced thing. It can't be an artificial thing. It can't be a thing where we, we like you and we'll invite you to come to church and if we, if you come, we'll be happy. It can't be, a, if they're not a commodity, they're a person who've been made in the image of God, who, who God is desperately trying to reach and God wants to, us to have his heart. So that involves him changing my heart. My heart has to change in such a way that I have a genuine love for people as I walk across that room. So if we could close our eyes together, maybe, I don't know what what happens, whether the worship team come back up, whether we have just a bit a time of ministry. Have we got a few minutes, Jonathan? Um, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us I do, I do believe some of you are already embracing this message and you've been there. Maybe some are, are still uncomfortable with it or we don't know what it looks like, what it means. But I love it. There's a song which says, soften my heart, Lord, soften my heart. From all, don't say we're going to sing it, but I'm just sharing it with you. Um, from all indifference, set me apart. Let me, let me see what God sees in other people. So Lord, come by your spirit. Would you come by your spirit? We thank you for what you're doing in this church and the way that you're speaking to this church prophetically in these days, in these weeks. I just have a sense of there's more to come and there's more... But there's, there's, with, with the uncomfortable nature of things and leaving circles of comfort, there's also great joy when you see the fruit, when you see a life changed. And I want you to think in, in the front of your mind now about who you would love to see in Christ. Who, who is not in Christ at the moment who you would love to see in Christ? Picture that person. And the last time I preached this message, a similar message to this, I was at Watnall Road Baptist Church in, in Nottingham. And this guy came to speak to me at the end called Chris. And he was a police officer. And he was so encouraged because we worked with the police. And he's chatting away to me about how encouraged he was about the message. And I thought he was a Christian. I didn't realise his wife had brought him along to church for the first time she'd had courage to bring him. And at the end of that service, he gave his life to Jesus Christ because he heard about this God who loved him. So just picture that person in the front of your mind, all those people who you want to reach. And I I believe you're going to see great fruit. So Lord, we we come to you now. We present ourselves to you. We want to just... Say, here am I, Lord, use me. Use me as an instrument of love and of compassion. Let me be natural and real as I have conversations in this next week or so for you. I pray in Jesus' name.